honestly, the reason why we have a deductible is because the insurance company wants more money. Now, I mean, that's a skeptic's perspective and someone who personally, you know, working in the healthcare field doesn't always have the best opinion of health insurance companies. But there are a couple of reasons as to why they incorporate a deductible and deductibles are not unique to health insurance. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Welcome back, OT Amplifiers. It's Clarice, and I am excited to bring you this episode. I got asked a question by a Western New England student in the Amplify OT membership about deductibles, and it was just such a good question that I needed to bring it here to you all in the podcast. Western New England uses the Amplify OT membership student edition as part of their OT programming to help their students learn about policy, advocacy, reimbursement, et cetera. So if that's something that you think would be helpful to your program, I have a link in the show notes for you to check it out. So as part of module one of the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, I have a lesson on health insurance terms. I go over deductibles, co-pays, co-insurances, premiums, like all the terms that we see thrown around when it comes to health insurance that we may or may not understand, not only when we're helping our patients navigate these issues, but honestly, when we're picking out our own health insurance as well. So this student watched the insurance terms lesson as part of her coursework and asked a really good question. She said, I don't really understand what a deductible is. Why are we paying out of pocket for a covered service before coverage kicks in? Is this referring to the fact that it is a new service being received or your health insurance isn't fully your health insurance yet? And to be honest, when I first read this question, I had to reread it a few times, not because I didn't understand, but because I didn't really have a satisfying answer, right? Like, honestly, the reason why we have a deductible is because the insurance company wants more money. Now, I mean, that's a skeptic's perspective and someone who personally, you know, working in the healthcare field doesn't always have the best opinion of health insurance companies. But there are a couple of specific reasons as to why they incorporate a deductible and deductibles are not unique to health insurance, which I guess before we dive into the reasons as to why we have a deductible, I should probably take a step back and explain what a deductible is. Now, obviously, if you want the full lesson on this, plus all the other content, it's in the Amplify OT membership, which is always linked in the show notes. But a very brief summary of this lesson is that when you sign up for health insurance or generally any insurance, you have a premium and a deductible as well as some additional costs. The premium is what you pay monthly for your health insurance. So this is what's usually pulled out of your paycheck twice a month if you're a W-2 or you pay it towards your insurance once a month. So like it might be around $100, could be more expensive than that. Just really depends on the plan that you have. But this is the monthly payment that you make to your health insurance company to continue to have health insurance. The deductible is how much you may have to pay out of pocket before your insurance coverage kicks in. Now, there are some services that generally are covered outside of the deductible. For example, like if I go to my primary care visit, That is free because of the Affordable Care Act. So the primary care visit that I receive each year, my annual checkup is free under the Affordable Care Act. And so that doesn't necessarily go towards meeting my deductible. But if I have 
you know, stick with the therapy example, many individuals have therapy coverage, but only after they've met the deductible. So that individual has to pay out of pocket until they've met their deductible. And once they've met their deductible, then insurance coverage starts to kick in. So it can get pretty expensive. Deductibles really vary in size. So you can have low deductible plans and also what we call high deductible plans. And again, in the Mastering OT Policy course, I get into explaining this of how a deductible relates with your ability to sign up with an HSA versus an FSA. But most of what you need to know is that deductible sizes can vary based on if you're an individual, the type of plan you have, and how many people are in your family. So for example, let's say that you have a $1,500 deductible. You're paying a premium each month, no matter you use the insurance or not. Think of it like a gym membership, so you have access to the insurance. So if you have a $1,500 deductible, you have to spend up to $1,500 before then your insurance kicks in. Now, you may have additional payments on top of that, like your co-pays or co-insurances, but you're kind of spending down that required spending. So Medicare does have deductibles. They have it under Part A for hospitalizations. They have it under Part B. So like for Medicare Part B, the deductible is like $230 or $300 something a year. So once the patient receives like $300 in care for that calendar year, then they start having that 80-20 split. Majority of health insurance plans only have one deductible a year. The primary exception to that is Medicare Part A. You can actually have multiple deductibles a year under Medicare Part A based on the number of benefit periods that you have. And again, if this is starting to sound like gibberish to you, it's not making sense. I promise that I explain it a lot in the Mastering OT Policy course. I have full lessons on this stuff. But so now that hopefully you maybe kind of start to understand the role of a deductible, and even if you don't fully understand what a deductible is, I guarantee you probably know somewhat of it because you probably paid towards it when you get your insurance claims. But let's get back to the student's question as to why do we have a deductible and is it because we don't really have our health insurance yet or what does that mean? So I'll answer the health insurance question first. Once you are enrolled in your health insurance plan, you have your health insurance. It is your health insurance. So you aren't trying to like buy into the health insurance plan, right? It's not like a like lease to own kind of thing. You're just paying that that monthly premium. Some insurances, right, you might have an annual premium. So like my liability insurance, I have an annual premium that I pay each year versus health insurance or car insurance, I pay a monthly premium. So technically speaking, as soon as you are active in your health insurance plan, right, which tends to be a calendar year, like you sign up in October, November, and then your insurance plan kicks in in January, unless you, you know, have some special circumstances. But anyways, once you are in that premium, you're paying your premium, you're technically fully insured, you're fully enrolled in that health insurance program. So it's not like you have to pay a premium for like six months before the health insurance kicks in. The deductible, however, is a separate issue. And there are two primary reasons as to why health insurance plans have a deductible. And these are two primary arguments. One is a moral hazard piece, and the other is a financial hazard piece. And I will explain the difference between those two right after this quick break. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right, Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. 
But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code AMPLIFYOT, that's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to medbridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AmplifyOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to medbridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. Okay, welcome back. So let's dive into these two arguments as to why we have deductibles. The first being moral hazards and the second being financial hazard. So the idea around moral hazard is it gives this idea or this argument that a deductible gives people kind of, quote, skin in the game. So the idea being that because there is essentially a penalty for using services, then you are more likely to only use services when you really need them. So this is kind of an idea of trying to mitigate risky behavior, right? So the argument for having a deductible is essentially saying that if there is a deductible, people then have skin in the game, so they're less likely to engage in risky behaviors like smoking maybe or doing things that would get them hurt because then they aren't concerned about the consequences, which the consequence in this case being cost, not just, you know, your own poor health. But then the other side of that argument, obviously, is that, well, when we have deductibles, it prevents people from using services that they actually need, right? Because they can't afford their deductible. I know that for most people, myself included, that if we had a sudden $1,500 bill, that would, you know, put a little strain on things. It might be concerning, especially if you don't have good savings, especially for those lower income folks, which tend to be on the cheaper premium plans and the higher deductible plans. 
And this argument is used, you know, in many insurances, like, for example, my car insurance. When I got into an accident in high school, I had a $500 deductible before my insurance kicked in to pay for the rest of my car repairs. So that idea being that, you know, if I didn't have a 500 deductible, if the car insurance would just automatically cover everything, then maybe I would be a riskier driver. So that's kind of the moral hazard argument for a deductible is that it prevents people from using unnecessary services because it would cost them money versus if we just provided everything for free to them or at a significant discount, then they would use more services than are truly necessary. But again, of course, there's the other side of that where does a deductible prevent people from using services that they actually legitimately need? And is this thus resulting in, you know, more expensive care down the road and longer term poor health? The other piece is a financial hazard piece, which is pretty much what it sounds like, is that it helps reduce the unexpected costs from the insurance side. So yes, they have your premium, but a deductible is how they kind of share cost between the insurance company and you. So a lot of times when we talk about healthcare, and I have a lesson on cost sharing, you know, in the Mastering OT Policy course, but it's this idea of there is no truly free care, right? Even if you go to a pro bono clinic, someone is still paying for the electricity for potentially the practitioners to be there, right? There's no such thing as 100% free healthcare. And one way or another, it's either being paid for monetarily or with time. And so this financial hazard piece is a way that the insurance company is sharing cost with the beneficiary or with the person who's receiving the insurance. So that's why you kind of see this relationship between premiums and deductibles. So for example, if I am on a higher premium insurance plan, so let's say I have a platinum plan from the marketplace, the ACA marketplace, the platinum plan tends to have better coverage and tends to have a higher monthly premium, so it's more expensive, but it has a lower deductible. Versus if I'm on, let's say, a bronze plan, which tends to be the lower plans on the marketplace, a bronze plan tends to have a much lower monthly premium, but a significantly higher deductible. So it's a way of sharing costs. And so it's all just kind of for the insurance ways of trying to mitigate how much they're spending, control how much they're spending. Plus, then you add that moral component in where, you know, I'm sure that we have all been in a situation where you thought, ooh, do I really need to go to urgent care or should I go to the doctor? Like, can it wait? Or do I really need medical care because I don't want to pay out of pocket, right? And so maybe instead of going to the emergency room, you decide to make an appointment with your doctor the next day. Versus maybe if you didn't have to pay out of pocket for that care, maybe you would just go straight to the emergency care and use more expensive services. So there's arguments on both sides as to why this does or doesn't work, but that's kind of the overall opinion as to why we have these deductibles. And what I think is really interesting, especially about the timing of this question, is that there is actually a current debate ongoing in Congress about deductibles and the role of a deductible in a healthcare plan. So there is currently bipartisan legislation in the U.S. House and Senate to encourage more individuals to enroll in high deductible plans. Now, high deductible plans are determined by the IRS as to what quantifies a high deductible plan, but that's some technical terminology. Either way, they're trying to incentivize more Americans to enroll in these high deductible plans. The idea being is that the individual then takes on more risk when it comes to their health care and that risk being financial risk. So it kind of leans more into that moral risk, right? That moral choice of do I need this healthcare or not? 
The reason this is receiving bipartisan support is because just incentivizing people to move in high deductible plans is not the whole picture of this legislation. This legislation is also proposing to make insurers cover more primary care services or chronic care services before a patient would meet their deductible. So currently, under the Affordable Care Act, you do have access to some preventative care for free before paying your deductible, like my example of getting my annual checkup. But if I'm receiving chronic care for a condition, I am still paying into my deductible, most likely depending on my plan, before that coverage kicks in. So this is kind of the idea that, okay, if we are pushing people into a more high deductible plan, then insurance needs to cover more chronic care services before going into their deductible in order to still be able to keep people on preventative health and keep them healthy, but then patients are still taking on a little bit more risk and a little more incentive to control their chronic care diseases, right? That's the idea that you'd be more incentivized to manage your chronic disease better because you don't want to have to pay in your deductible and you're able to manage your chronic disease better because those services are covered better. But of course, again, a lot of this is under the assumption that someone would be able to afford that type of plan. And more often than not, these high deductible plans end up hurting people who are on lower incomes more so than they would hurt people who are middle or upper class. I'll go ahead and link a Politico article on this legislation in the show notes because I just think it's a really fascinating read to kind of look at the debate around high deductibles, low deductibles, and what the role of insurance is in healthcare. Because obviously here in the United States, with all the commercial insurance plans that we have and managed care plans, insurance companies have a lot of control over how Americans access and consume healthcare services and also how much our healthcare providers get paid. And that's kind of one of the concerns of these high deductible plans is that you tend to pay what the insurer has negotiated with that hospital. So it's kind of saying, okay, we're putting all of the costs on the patient or the person insured. And because they are part of our network and we insure a lot of people, you will charge them less than you might charge someone without insurance or with another insurance plan. And this is how we get to, you know, the crazy state of health insurance prices where you can go to one hospital for a colonoscopy and it could be three times as much as if you go to another hospital or if you're on a different insurance versus uninsured versus Medicare is because of all these negotiated rates that makes predicting care costs so difficult. So as always, there is so much debate going on about healthcare and how this should work. You know, should we give people bonus payments as incentives to seek necessary care or should we make it free? Will that be incentive enough or should we make it more expensive so they don't access unnecessary care and drive up costs? And, you know, how does that impact inflation? So as always, healthcare is a business. I find this fascinating. Hopefully you're starting to uh, drink the policy Kool-Aid and find it a little interesting yourself as well. Definitely encourage you to check out the article. And of course, if you want these concepts explained in more detail or want to get questions like this answered in depth, then being part of the Amplify OT membership is the way to do that. So just head to the link down in the show notes to join today. It's open year round for podcast subscribers as a special reward versus it's closed the rest of the year or at certain periods for everybody else. All right. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Amplify OT podcast. If you have a topic that you want to be covered, let me know. Send me an email, send me a DM on Instagram, and I will add it to my list. Until next time, keep amplifying occupational therapy. 
If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast, and I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community, and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT. Because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?